I'm excited uh, to be back with you guys. We just went on our family vacation in Colorado, and it was awesome. Uh, We're going to dive straight into the Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew 8. Uh, It'll be on the screens behind me, and uh, you can also look in your your mobile device, and uh, you can look at it there. If you're with me, say, I'm with you. All right, Matthew 8, we're going to start off reading about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came, and he knelt before him, and he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man, and he said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, everyone say immediately. I love that he moved quick. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you do not tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And we're going to unpack a couple moments in scripture where people encountered Jesus and their life was never the same. After that, So if y'all would, man, let's go ahead and pray. I believe God's going to speak to us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. God, we thank you uh, for warm weather that's right around the corner. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all, I am uh, excited to be here. And like I said, we just got back from our family vacation. We went to Breckenridge, Colorado. I realize they don't say Colorado. They say Colorado in uh, Colorado. And I accidentally uh, bought uh, marijuana-infused coffee, but that's it for another story. I did return that coffee, okay? <laughs> I bought a bag of coffee beans, and I got to look, and I was like, those leaves, I'm uh, pretty sure those are different than normal leaves. And, and I went back in, and I was like, is this normal? And she was like, yeah. And so uh, we gave it to the whole worship team today. It was great. Um, so <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, we didn't give it to the kids. But uh, we had fun. The, the, I guess the downfall is we, we drove a two-wheel drive vehicle, um, and our Airbnb was on like the top of the furthest that you could go up in the Rocky Mountains. And so we made it like halfway up the mountain and literally 180 and came back down on accident. And uh, we had to park in long-term parking all week and hitch rides with uh, Kendra's side of the family. So it was, it was fun. But I do not recommend driving a 15-hour trip with two young children. Anybody agree with that? Can I get some nods? Yes. Okay, so some, someone said hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, and we drove there, and we made the trek back. We left Thursday night at 8 p.m., and we just drove straight through. And um, we will never do it again. And we probably will never take our kids to Colorado until they're like 18. So um, I've got a picture of our family in Colorado, Colorado. That's us, and that's the view. Isn't that amazing behind there? And um, it, we had so much fun, and that's our daughter Haven and our son Zane. And uh, they're over there terrorizing little life as we speak. I've got a picture of me going ice fishing. Uh, that's actually a minnow. I'm just holding it really close to the camera. <laughs> and uh, we, we caught some trout. I've got another picture uh, that you could see. It's the lake. And if you look really closely out there, that little black speck was where we were fishing. Now, if you look right past it, you see that there is open water. Okay, so if you've never been ice fishing, it's not good to have open water, okay? And so the the guide was explaining uh, the protocol with ice fishing, and I just said, hey, man, what are the odds of me dying today? Like, I just straight up asked him, and uh, and I actually posted a video of him, his response on Instagram, and his response was, I said, how often do people fall in? He said, people don't fall in. Sometimes they do fall in, but I've never seen people fall in. I've seen a few people fall in. He contradicted himself six times. (laughs) 
And I said, look, man, I need a straight answer. I'm not getting on the ice. And so we, get, we went out there. We had a blast, and uh, they drill holes, and, and it, was, it was fun. But here's the thing. It's one thing being cold, but it's another thing being wet, like soaking wet and cold. So I could just only imagine falling in, and uh, it was beautiful. We caught like four fish, and it was, it was awesome. So um, it, turn to your neighbor and ask him, would you ever go ice fishing? I'm just curious. People were messaging saying, you're crazy. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So we are officially uh, Fayettevillians, I guess is the way to say that, uh, we, even though we live in Farmington. Northwest Arkansans, Razorbacks, if you will. We are moved. And uh, it was really cool driving back from Colorado and knowing that this place was home. Uh, we're still living out of boxes at the house, but we believe in Jesus' name. By like mid-June, we probably will be unpacked, and uh, it's going to be great. But I love Christmas time. I love talking about the birth of Jesus, which we're going to be doing that coming up at our candlelight services this week. Uh, and encourage you and your family to come on Wednesday and Thursday at 6.30 p.m. We're going to have an awesome couple services planned for you guys. Um, but we had an outreach that uh, happened on Saturday. And I just want to honor and celebrate what God did through so many of you. Seventy total families have Christmas gifts provided for them. Um, that's amazing. And 175 kids um, total that are getting gifts provided for them. There were 85 different people, uh, a lot of you are in this room right now, that contributed financially, that gave your time, you wrapped gifts. Some of you uh, need to maybe just serve in another way next time instead of wrapping gifts. I saw some of the gifts. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Um, I'm not good at wrapping gifts, so I can't, I can't make fun of you, but uh, I just was, I was so excited to get that text while we were on vacation and know that God is moving through you guys right here in this city. Would y'all give it up for the people that served in that way? It's amazing. And uh, we've got a lot of people signing up to help in kids ministry and, and little life, kid life and wrangling the kids that were just on stage. And we've got people signing up to join worship team and greet. And so if you, if you want to serve, uh, two weeks ago, a lot of people took me up on the challenge that we're going to build and that we're going to battle together. And I think it's beautiful. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little excited today. Is that okay? I, it's kind of hard for me to talk about Jesus and not get passionate. People are like, why are you so passionate? Because God saved my life. And so I, I wanna, I'm going to get a little excited because I believe that God is going to do something really special in northwest Arkansas. And it's going to happen, and it's actually already began to happen through you. In 2022, which sounds like something very futuristic, it's really just right around the corner in a few weeks, uh, I believe it's going to be a wild year for the kingdom of God. God is moving, and we get to be a part of it. We get to play a part in this. And here's the deal. I don't want to be watching on the sidelines as God moves. I want to be a participant in Jesus' name when it comes to my faith, when it comes to serving and, and serving this city and the kingdom of God. And, and this is the song, you know that song, the baseball song, Put Me In Coach, I'm ready to play today. I don't know the rest of the song, but you get the point, okay? <laughs> Put me in coach, like I'm ready to play. This is not the time to be sitting on the sidelines of faith. It's time to get into the game, baby. Like I'm excited about what God is doing and what God is going to do in this city. Today, I want to talk about what happens when we get into the presence of Jesus. Because I believe that what happens when Jesus is present all through Scripture is so valuable to us. And we need to know how to approach those moments. And I'm going to share a few stories in Scripture about people that get radically changed because of one moment with Jesus 
And, and I love in that passage we read earlier, it said, and immediately uh, the man was cleansed of his leprosy. Uh, maybe you walked in here today and you think that you've gone too far, that you've done too much, that you are damaged goods, that you can't be used by God, that you're an accident. Whatever you have been telling yourself, whatever someone has told you, I want to tell you with bold faith and courage that God wants to use your life. You're actually, if you're broken and you're jacked up, you're the perfect recipe to be used by God. Can I get an amen? Like he doesn't use broken, or he doesn't use messed up people. He uses broken people. I believe that something incredible and powerful happens when we get into the presence of God. But here's what I also know is true, is that something beautiful and powerful happens when God gets into you. Like when, when you allow God into your heart. And so as we get ready for the Christmas season, which we are in it, it's very important that we celebrate the birth of Christ. But every time I start talking about the birth of Christ, I always will go to Easter and talk about what he did for us as well. It's like it's just ingrained in me. As soon as I was praying, I was here last night, I was up here praying and, and just believing in faith that God is going to do something today. I was reminded of the debt that Jesus paid. And so we need to know today, before we get into Christmas season, why did Jesus come and what happens when he is present? I believe that God does his best work with people who are willing to do whatever, whenever, to reach whoever for the kingdom of God. I'll put it this way. I believe that God does his best work with soil that's ready to receive the word. That's ready to receive the seed. Do we have any green thumbs in here? Like you're really good with plants and gardening? Nobody. Wow. Okay. No, we got a few. Um, I, that is not me. I, if I touch a plant, it is going to die. And, uh, but I do know a little bit about mowing, and, and, and I worked at golf courses growing up. And I do know this, that when you pull something and you uproot something out of the ground, it's very important what you fill that hole with. If you're a golfer in here, you know that you refill your divot or you're going to have a, a kind of a dip into the ground. And it sounds like our kids are, are turning up over there, and I love it, okay? I thought that was an animal outside, and uh, it is not. So uh, I love to hear that. Um, it's very important what you replace inside of that hole. And this is what I know is true about our life is that it's very important when you uproot something that's not supposed to be there, it's important what you fill that hole with. Because I think what the enemy would like is for us to, we uproot some things, we start living for God, we, we try to do the right thing, and then what gets filled back into the hole is something that's not really beneficial. Maybe it's good, but it's not God. And so I want to tell you that God is in the business of filling the holes and the voids in your life with himself. And, and maybe you have pain, God can turn that into purpose. Maybe you have anxiousness and, and God wants to turn that into peace. Maybe it's anger that he can turn into love. Maybe you're here today and Christmas time is the worst time of the year for you because of all the discouragement that comes with it. I want to encourage you today that God can turn that into bold courage that turns into the utmost amount of faith that can move a mountain. Because I believe that God's word is true and he, he means what he says. And Jesus says this in Matthew 9. I love this passage. Verse 12 through 13. It's not the healthy who need a doctor. But it is the sick. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but what? Sinners to repentance. This is good news for us. Many people that I meet, they, they think, well, well, there's no way that God could use somebody like me. Like, Seth, like, you don't understand what I've done. And, and I'm too messed up. 
my past is too bad. And this is what they say. This is just how it is. This is just how it's going to be. It's always going to be this way. I'm always going to struggle with this. Listen, I want to tell you this. So many times in life when you don't know what to do or you don't know where to turn, God has a solution. He has a solution. We ask questions like, does God even care about what I'm going through? Like, have you ever had a moment like, does God even care about me? Like, like, will I always feel this way? How in the world am I still dealing with this? How are my kids still struggling with this? I want you to hear this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. God cares about what you are currently going through. He cares about what you've been through, and he, he cares about what's to come. And the thing I love about our, our Savior, Jesus, is that he walks with you every step of the way. He's not distant. He's close. And so today, I want to talk about what happens when we get close to Jesus. I don't know about y'all, but I need Jesus in my life. Anybody else need Jesus in here, okay? It's okay to need Jesus. We need Jesus. I don't want to have a Christmas without Christ. I don't want to celebrate Christmas and miss the whole point of this holiday in this moment without Jesus. I was up here and I started laughing last night. I wrote down Christmas. Christmas without Christ is just moss. <laughs> and moss is Spanish for more, okay? I'm teaching you a lesson today. We don't need more stuff. <laughs> if you're celebrating Christmas without Christ, you just get more stuff. I don't know about y'all, but we are still unpacking boxes of stuff. We're going to have yard sales, Facebook Marketplace, in Jesus' name. You know, like, we got more and more and more. We don't need more stuff. We need more of God's presence in our life. I started laughing. I was like, I don't need just presence. I need God's presence. I need him to be with me. I don't know about y'all, but I need Jesus. And I believe that y'all do too. <laughs> I've met some of you. <laughs> and so all through high school and college, I, I worked at baseball parks and, and golf courses, and I would do maintenance and mowing, and I just loved it. I loved manicuring grass, and it's some, there's something therapeutic about mowing. Some of y'all are like, in Jesus' name, someone will always mow my yard, okay? I, I, I just enjoy it. I've always appreciated being able to do something like that and look at the beauty of, of what it is, mowing greens and, set, and setting cups and putting the stripes in a baseball field and riding mowers that cost more than my life. Like, I mean, I, I always have loved it, but um, when, when I, uh, it never failed. Every summer I worked at the golf course or the baseball park, I would get poison ivy. Never failed. Anybody allergic to poison ivy in here? My brothers and sisters, okay. I can look at poison ivy and get poison ivy. I don't even have to touch it. I can just see it, and I get poison ivy, and I'll start itching. I don't know if it's, something, it's a mental thing or what, but it never failed. One time, I got poison ivy so bad. I was in the middle of playing a little bit of college baseball, and we would stay in some really sketchy hotels, okay? Like, we would go to Nebraska and Oklahoma, Missouri, Tennessee, and Texas, and, and Kansas, and we would stay in, I, I think that our coach Googled worst hotel in the area, and that's where we stayed, okay? And we would stay, and y'all, have y'all ever heard of bed bugs? Okay, yeah, some of y'all are going to start itching a little bit, all right? I just apologize in advance. Um, my poison ivy didn't go away for like three months. And so by like the third month, my roommate, is, is now kind of moved out of the house because he thinks that I have modern-day leprosy. Like, and, and, like, it is crazy what was happening to my skin. I couldn't sleep. I would wake up in the middle of the night scratching so bad I would be bleeding. It was awful. And, and I called my mom, and I was like, Mom, I have to get this taken care of. And if one more doctor tells me I have poison ivy, I'm going to lose my mind. 
And so I went to a skin specialist after seeing like six doctors. I go to this place in Cabot, Arkansas, and, and I don't want to be too graphic, but they make me stand on this tiny little stool, and I had like this robe on. They made me take all my clothes off and don't get a visual. And, um, and I'm standing there, and I'm like in this weird place. And all these people walk in with like scalpels and like microscopes. And some of them I recognize from our church. And I'm like, this is really uncomfortable, you know. And uh, I'm naked and afraid. <laughs> and so uh, they came up, and they start scraping on my body going to microscopes and looking at it. And what happened is I had a skin disease called scabies. It's caused from many different ways, close contact with people, hashtag staying in really nasty hotel rooms, and other different ways. And, and I had this thing. What happens is these mites would burrow themselves in underneath the surface of your skin. If you really want to get freaked out later today, just look at it while you're eating your Sunday lunch, okay? Google it. And they would reproduce themselves every three hours. And so they're most active in the middle of the night when it's dark. And so I couldn't sleep. Y'all, I was isolated. I couldn't be around the baseball team. I couldn't go to school. My roommate moved out of the house. I, was, I had to get, like, hot baths. They gave, you know when you get poison ivy, they give you the creams to put on, and the creams turn clear? This was the cream that didn't disappear. It was, like, white. And so, like, when people saw you, they're like, yeah, something's wrong with him, you know? <laughs> I, I was messed up. Like, I was in a very vulnerable place, but here's the thing I want you to know is that I was misdiagnosed. Like, the only reason I was treating myself for poison ivy is because someone told me I had poison ivy. I was misdiagnosed. I was misled. And honestly, I was at a point of a mental breakdown. It was one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever been a part of. I had a skin condition, but what happens in life with many people is they get misdiagnosed by somebody They get misdiagnosed by another person, or they get misdiagnosed by the world, and what really is happening is they have a sin condition. For my entire life, up until the day I got saved, I was misdiagnosing myself. I thought I needed more of this and more of that, or maybe if I had this, or maybe maybe if I did this, or if I didn't do this. What was wrong with me is that I am a sinful being, and I need Jesus. Today, there's a simple mission As we go into Christmas, I want to identify why we need Jesus. I always would let people in the world diagnose me. I'm going to get a little passionate because, y'all, friends, can I encourage y'all? Like, the world cannot diagnose what it did not create. The, The world cannot put labels on what it did not purchase. The world can't tell me my purpose because it didn't breathe purpose into me. And so maybe you have let someone else tell you what you are and what you're not. Can I encourage you this morning that you are who God says that you are? And there's a reason that Jesus came. He didn't come and just lay in a manger and and become a human being, man and and God, and and live this life. No, he died for our sin because we needed Jesus. I, I need Jesus. I wrote this down. The word of God tells us, a few things that you're going to remember and you're going to recognize some of these lines. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. I once was lost, but now I'm what? I'm found. I once was lost, but now I'm found. My friend Andrew is going to come join me on stage. And this is a song from, a, this, is a, this is a hymn called Amazing Grace. Anybody ever heard Amazing Grace? Kind of wave at me. It's one of the most well-known hymns of all time. It's also one of the most sung songs at funerals and celebrations of life. But I want you to listen to these words as Andrew sings the song. If you know it, you can sing along with him. Then we're going to talk about this a little bit. An amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a 
Y'all give it up for Andrew and his beard. His beard is phenomenal. That song really resonates with me. There's several lines that stand out in that song. But the, the one that says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. These words were written by a man named John Newton. And, and he wrote these lyrics, and many would read these lyrics, and they would say that his choice wording was very strange and inappropriate because how dare somebody say that I was lost? And so a lot of people that would read these lyrics early on, they would, they would say that this is such a negative song. But here's the deal is that lost is only hopeless and empty when you don't understand that you can be found. Lost is, is the best word that describes humanity without Jesus. Lost is, is the way that we would diagnose a world that celebrates Christmas as a holiday and that separates Christ from the whole deal. And in one sense, the the hymn declares that being lost is just the condition of the author, but the reality is that being lost is the condition of all of us. That we are lost and we are in desperate need of a Savior, and that is Jesus. And the Bible is full of people who get lost, and then they get found. They, they wander off and they get lost and they get found. They wander off and they, they, get, they get found. And getting lost is easy to do. I think all of us would agree getting lost is easy to do, especially if you're married in here and you're driving with your spouse. Okay, Yeah, some of y'all are like, I, I totally agree. When I was going through premarital with Kendra, and uh, nobody told us about this one, but they always said that you're going to fight about two things in marriage, finances and intimacy, if you know what I mean. Okay? You're going to fight about those two things. No one talked about the third one, which is when you are driving and the other person is in charge of Google Maps. (laughs) And it's like it never fails. We get prayed up before we go on long trips, okay? I just highly encourage that. All right, I'm sorry. When you get lost, it's either deliberate or or it's an accidental thing that happens. But what it is is it is the human condition, and we cannot help ourselves. Whether you are lost in a relationship, your, your finances or your career or life or your faith or maybe it's just bad decisions, what it all goes back to, I just want us to understand our, our, our condition is this, is that it is because we think as humans that we have a better way. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's like sometimes I think I, I know better than God. Sometimes if God is leading me to do something a certain way, it's like, no, I think I have a better way or a better idea of doing it. Let me tell you, that's a, re- that's a recipe for disaster. It's not good, and, and this is the reality. This is to put a bow on the whole thing. The, the reason we get lost without realizing it is the word called sin. And, and sin is the thing that we know. Sin takes you further than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay, and it costs you more than you can pay. 
and then we see Jesus. And so what happens when we get close to Jesus? It says in Matthew 8, verse 1 through 4, I want to revisit this text. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and he knelt before him. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. And he says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Did y'all ever do show and tell back in grade school? Anybody did show and tell? Somebody, some people would bring their parents and show and tell about them, and it was weird, okay? <laughs> but we would do show and tell. What Jesus did in this miracle is he healed a man, and he said, I don't want you to tell anybody. I want you to go show them. It's kind of weird. Why would you want me to not tell them what happened but go show them? I think Jesus was showing us early on in the Gospels that he wanted us to live a life that was full of Jesus. That he wanted us to be on full display in front of the rest of humanity. It, it's, le- it's a little bit less about what we say. It's a lot more about what we do. Y'all ever met somebody that talks a big talk? But when it comes to walking the walk, it's like maybe that's not all there. Like something's not right. I wonder what it would look like if we had a group of people that said, you know what, I'm going to talk the talk, but... I'm going to walk the walk. Like, like I'm going to not just tell people that I'm a Christian on social media, but I'm going to walk the walk. I'm going to show them. I'm going to be the first to love and to forgive. Go show them what you've done and offer it as the gift I've commanded. It's going to be a testimony for them. Lepers in this day were outcasts. I don't know if you are aware of this, but they would have leper colonies outside of the city. And they weren't allowed to be close to people who were considered clean. And so the, you weren't allowed to come within six feet of a leper, and you, if the wind was blowing from their direction to yours, you had to be 150 feet away. And it says in Leviticus, there's a passage that says that it, those who suffer from such a serious skin disease, they must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. Some of you are like, somebody's got a leprosy today, all right? Uh, I'm kidding. They must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. I just imagine... Being in a place with that condition, which is really a picture of what it looks like to be full of sin and not Jesus. I just imagine how humiliating that must be. How weird it would be to be like the leper. But here's the thing is that we all have something in our life very similar to leprosy that has caused us to separate from the pack. It's pushed us outside of the camp. It's like, well, if anybody knew about this thing, there's no way they would trust me. There's no way they would love me. There's no way they could forgive me. Some of us put that same idea and approach on God. Well, if God knew, then I would never. But the reality is that we all have something that has pushed us outside of the camp. I want to ask you boldly this morning, what is it that has pushed you outside of the camp? Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it happened in your mind on the way here. Maybe it is happening right now or, or maybe years ago from the past, but it has pushed you outside of the camp. It has isolated you. It's got you around a group of people maybe that have the same condition that you have, but you feel like I can't be close to the clean. I have to just stay right here. Can I tell you, friend, that God doesn't want you to stay right here. He wants you to move forward. When God talks about in scripture about prospering you, all that means is that you are moving forward. 
God didn't call his people to stay stagnant and still. He wants them to move forward. I believe that your current condition could end up being your testimony if you would allow God to get involved. So what happens when we get close to Jesus? He heals things. He releases things into your life. And I'm here today to tell you that in my life, Jesus got his hands dirty. Like, I I was jacked up. I've I've shared some of my story with y'all. Like, I I was so broken, but now I'm healed. I was addicted to the approval of other people. I would do anything to get the approval of somebody. But now I have the approval of my Father in heaven. I I was so addicted, but now I have the grace of God that covers my life. Let me ask you, are you pushed outside of the camp? Have you... Have you pushed away from people who love you the most or the church? And what I love about Jesus is he didn't throw me a life raft. He threw me his life. And he said, you can build your life on this very thing. And it is the sacrifice he made for us. And similar to this miracle, Jesus healed 10 men with leprosy. I love this passage. We're not going to throw it up on the screens, but it says that he healed these men and if you've read this before, the, the response is amazing. It says that they, they called out to Jesus and they met him, but they stood at a distance. And I like circled that in my Bible. They, they, they met Jesus, but they stood at a distance. You know why they stood at a distance? Because it was unlawful for them to be close to the clean. Some of you are here this morning and you feel bad for even being at church because you feel like you can't be close to the clean. You can't be close to God. Can I tell you today that God doesn't want you at a distance? God doesn't want you to stand at a distance. For so long in my life, I, did, I played church. Even when I got saved, I tried to just say the right things and I didn't really know much and, and I was just acting like I had things together. I was Facebook status in scripture and I'm, I'll pray for you, bro. I wasn't praying for nobody. Like I was just walking the walk. I was just talking the talk. I was not walking the walk. What, what if God didn't want us to stand at a distance, but he wanted us close? I know this is true. Proximity breeds intimacy. If you're married in here or you've ever been in a relationship or you've ever had a close friendship, how did that relationship go with you standing at a distance? It's impossible to be intimate and have a close relationship with someone when you are at a distance. And, and I, I've had someone ask me before, well, isn't it, isn't it called solitude when you get alone? No, solitude is when you get alone with God. Isolation is when you get alone with you. <laughs> and let me tell you, when you get alone with you, nothing good comes from that. When I get alone with me, it's, it's the bad thoughts come into mind. My mind starts wondering and I drift away. When you get alone with you, it's, it's deconstruction. When you get alone with God, it's construction. And he starts building your faith. And he starts building your life and helping you take steps closer to him. I, I love this verse in Luke 13, verse 10. It says, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. She could not fully straighten up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said, woman, you're freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and and immediately, this word came out again. Immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. The second thing I wrote down is I'm no longer paralyzed by my sin." I'm no longer paralyzed by my sin. Christmas is around the corner. Jesus, we're celebrating his birth. But what we need to know is the reason that he came, I'm no longer paralyzed by my sin. There are people here this morning that will come to second service today 
that you think you are defined by what you have done in your past. And friend, I have good news. That is not the gospel. When we hold on to that thing and it's like, I can't release it. I've always struggled with it. I'm always going to struggle with it. What we are doing is we are stiff arming the cross, which is why Jesus came. I just want to encourage you that you don't have to be disabled by your past because God has enabled you to do the will of God. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, for 18 years, this lady has not gazed upon the sun. She was hunched over and for 18 years, she hasn't seen a star of night. For her face was drawn downward to the dust, and all of the light of her life was dim. She walked around as if she was searching for a grave, and I imagine that she often wishes that she could find one. I read that, and I was like, man, that's how I used to feel before I found Jesus. It's like life just was never working out. I was so, I was so broken and sad all the time. I just imagine this lady, it says she went to the same synagogue for 18 years. And she didn't receive a healing until that 18th year. So I just used my imagination a little bit. And I was like, hold on. So she came to church for 18 years and she didn't encounter Jesus until the 18th year. What what is that telling us? It maybe means that you can come to church and you can talk the talk. You can come just kind of, well, let's go to church. And you can completely miss Jesus. You could completely miss the healing that God has for your life and for your marriage. Just going to church doesn't really change things. But when you go to Jesus, which you can do any day of the week, by the way, things begin to shift in your life. I love Philippians 3.12. It says, I'm not saying that I have all of this together. I'm not saying that I have it made, but I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out to me. Friends, do not get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. I love this. But I've got my eye on the goal, on the prize where God is calling us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. I I read that and get a little bit excited about what's to come. I'm off and I'm running, and I'm not turning back. I've got my eyes on the prize. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. My eyes are fixed on heaven. I'm not focused on the past. I'm not even focused on present, what's happening, or the future. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. Let me ask you, what would happen if your eyes were fixed on Jesus and not just your circumstance? What would happen if your eyes were fixed on Jesus and not just the situation that happened last week? I I can tell you this, that God would begin to move in your life. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. I love that the way this lady walked up to Jesus, broken, didn't dictate the way that she walked away from Jesus. She walked up and she approached Jesus, which by the way, If you had a disabled spirit, if you had leprosy, if you were sick and considered unclean, it was actually unlawful to come around somebody like him. But she walked up with bold faith and courage and she walked away healed because she had a moment with Jesus. What would it look like if we truly understood and we didn't just do the gifts and the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights, which I love all of those things, but what if we really celebrated and understood why Jesus came? He came for you, he he came for me. I believe that we get so blinded by life. We get, this this is how I'll put it this way. We get so blinded by what is currently that we can't see what could be in the future. Anybody get struggle with that? Like 
You get so blinded by the current circumstance that you can't see what could be. And you get around people who have faith and are optimistic. And maybe you struggle because you can't see past what is right in front of you. Friend, can I, can I ask you, would you lift your eyes to heaven today? Would you lift your eyes above your circumstance and let God do a work? I wrote the last thing down is this. Number three, I once was blind, but now I can what? I can see. This is as simple as it gets. I was lost, but now I'm found. I'm no longer paralyzed by my sin and my struggle. God has healed me. He set me free. But y'all, this is good news. I was blind, but now I can see. My vision's not very good, by the way. I actually need to be wearing glasses. If you know a good, is it optometrist? Is that right? Uh, Let me know. I I need to see one soon. I have no depth perception in my right eye. I've had concussions all through high school and college. I'm at like 11 or 12. I lost count. I don't know, okay? And uh, I've had a lot of head injuries, which has affected my sight. And uh, I was going to get my driver's license renewed in Maumel, Arkansas. It's going to tell you a lot about Maumel. And I would, you know, they make you look into the inspector gadget thing, and they're like, read the line. Well, I, I was looking into the thing, and they blocked off my good eye. And I was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) They blocked off my left eye. I've known that I need to wear glasses. I just am being stubborn and hard-headed. And the lady's just sitting there. And I'm like, oh, I just was going to wait it out. I wasn't saying a word. She was like, sweetie, are you going to read the line? (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, ma'am, I don't see. I'm trying to, like, move my left eye over to look into the thing. I was like, I don't see anything. And she was like, it's been there the whole time. You can't see anything. I was like, ma'am, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't see out of my right eye. Like, I hit my head on everything. Like, and she was laughing, this old, like, older sweet lady. She was like, I'm going to give you your license anyways. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's mom mail for you. <laughs> and she was like, promise me you'll go to the eye doctor, and I send that day, okay? Um, and so they give me my driver's license, and I'm driving around Fayetteville, okay? So just keep, hide your, hide your wife, hide your kids, okay? This is the thing. What I was looking at was there the whole time, but I couldn't see it. I have no depth perception in the eye on my right side. I think so often in life, believers get so fixated on a circumstance. They get fixated on what happened in the past or is in the present or what's to come in the future that you can't see what's been there the whole time. Can I tell you that Jesus is with you? He is for you. He is not against you. He has plans to prosper you, to move you forward in life. But if we don't, open our eyes and see it's really hard to step into what he is calling us to be what he is leading us to do I'll never forget the day my eyes were open I love this verse in John 9 this is a beautiful passage and this is the last one we're going to read as he went along he saw a man that was blind from birth this is Jesus his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind Neither his man nor his, or his, this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God may be displayed in him. And as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I'm in the light of the world. This guy gets healed. This is the mud on his eyes, and y'all know, you've probably heard this before, seen the story, and his vision is restored, and this is what it happens in later in the passage. It says, I don't know the answer to all your questions, because here's what happened. Jesus said, go and show the people, but don't tell them anything. And all the religious people, all the people who had the rules and regulations, they're like, who healed you? What has been done? And Jesus was just saying, I just want people to see what I've done in your life. They'll start asking questions. 
And you know what happens when people see miracles is they're drawn to the miracle maker, the miracle worker, and they find Jesus. And what happens is so beautiful. I don't know the answer to your questions, religious leaders. I don't know how. I don't have the answer. I don't have the details. But one thing that I do know is this. I once was blind. And what? Now I can see. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't have the answers to everybody's questions, but I did know how to say this. I once was blind. But what? Now I can see. I I once was lost. But now I'm found. And I'm no longer paralyzed by my sin. What would it look like if we could grasp those three truths and carry with it every single day as we go into this Christmas season, as we spend time around family, everybody's got that one person in their family, okay? Like Jesus wants you to hold on to these truths. I believe that God would do a miracle and do a work in you on your notes as you walked in you got some note sheets or maybe you're taking notes in your phone I want you to there's a blank on there if y'all would throw that up it says I once was and there is a blank but now I am and there is a blank this is very simple but I believe that if we can grasp these truths and walk in them that God can do a miracle in our life and so if you've got those notes during worship I want you to write that in I want you to put it on your mirror at the house I want you to like post it, whatever you got to do to remember this thing I once was and whatever that is, but now I am and whatever God has done in your life. Can we do that today? If y'all would go ahead and close your eyes, I want to pray for you.